Okay, so today I'm really happy to welcome on the Metaverse Show CEO at the Near Foundation, Marie Flamon. Welcome, Marie. Hi, Jamie. Uh, thank you so much for having me. So really excited to have you on the show. Um, I was trying to remember when I last spoke to Ilya, one of the co-founders of Near. Um, I'm pretty sure I had him on the podcast, but that said, I think the last time I saw him in person was in Shanghai just before COVID broke out. I think both Near and Outlier were looking at making inroads uh, within region. Um, and I remember having a, a chat with him on a rooftop bar um, in Shanghai. And of course, the world the world looks very different um, for many reasons since then. Uh, but one of them, of course, relevant to this is, is the evolution of Web3. And of course, the great traction and progress um, that the Near Foundation have made. And I remember even back then, you know, he was very, it was very refreshing to, to hear somebody who was a seasoned Web2 developer from big tech, from within these big uh, firms, talking about Web3 and making it more accessible, more understandable. Um, and it's been great to watch him execute on that vision. But of course, we're not necessarily here to talk about Ilya. We're here to talk about you um, and uh, your journey into Web3. Um, at the top end, Near is a blockchain built to be simple, secure, and scalable. And the Near Foundation is the guardian of Near tokens and is here to help evangelize, raise awareness, support the ecosystem, and allocate grants. Of course, very interesting to a lot of founders that might be listening to this on behalf of the ecosystem. Um, of course, uh, this interview comes hot off the heels of Nearcon 2022 back in September the 11th to the 14th in Lisbon, which I hear was a huge success. Yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, you mentioned it, but I'm French. I actually had the opportunity when I was young to uh, travel a lot, to live in, in many different countries. And I, I finished my computer science degree in Shanghai, actually, out of all places. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's why I, I then started my career for, um, for LVMH, the, the luxury goods conglomerate. Um, and realized very quickly that as an engineer, I didn't necessarily have the ropes to, you know, make intakes into actually what is business. And so I went back to retrain myself. I did an MBA at London Business School. And then after that, uh, you know, did what most MBA students, I think, do, which is go into strategy consulting. Um, and I, I learned a ton again at, at, in strategy consulting on, you know, how to crack data and narrative and and how to basically think about uh, strategy and, and then how to see that be implemented in businesses. Um, I then, uh, I realized actually through the journey that I was, I'm more a doer than actually pure strategist. And so I was always anxious, you know, when, when the strategy was done, I was like, okay, now let's do it. And it was like time for us to leave the project, which was highly frustrating. So I, I looked at actually going back more into, into the business side. That's when I joined Expedia, worked for hotels.com, phenomenal leadership, fantastic teams, uh, again, there learned a ton, grew a ton, and then end of 2015, I was headhunted by um, by a headhunter who said for for a Bitcoin company. And at the time, I thought, okay, wrong number, right? I mean, <laughs> Bitcoin end of 2015. I was like, what is this? <laughs> These were drug dealers. Um, anyway, I, I was uh, I digged into it um, because I'm like the headhunter actually insisted. He said, please have a look at the brief, and I'm to this day grateful that he did because one day I was like, okay, fine, I'll read it, and then I was like, oh my god, this this could potentially change. 
everything and, and many things. And so I, I fell into you know, the rabbit hole. And that was actually to work for Circle. So I did that uh, for almost uh, three and a half years, worked for Circle uh, under the leadership of, of Jeremy Allaire. First grew the uh, European region from scratch and then actually uh, helped us to pivot the company in terms of uh, what was the positioning and the marketing uh, and on, on a bunch of stuff around those lines. Um, and then actually the crypto market had a first very big change and the, the company also went from very B2C to much more B2B. Um, I became a mom and so I was like, okay, maybe it's time to do something, something quite different. Uh, and then I, I worked actually for NatWest, which is, you know, uh, a bank and I led their neo bank, Metal. So totally different, uh, different experience. But again, like learned a ton how to create innovation within an incumbent. Um, and then last summer, so a little bit over a year ago, uh, the team at Nier reached out. I had never heard of Nier. And I was like, when I first heard about it, I was like, I started checking. I was like, oh my God, if what they say, if they've really done what they say, then this is actually amazing. And this, is, this could really be game changing uh, in terms of bringing you know, Web3 to the masses and having something that is so simple that then people can actually really, really use it. Um, and so, yeah, so I, I joined in uh, January to lead the Nier Foundation. Uh, and as you mentioned, uh, near protocol is really focused on, on simplicity and usability, right? Ultimately, we want to get 1 billion customers uh, within five years. And you can only do that if you really have something that's actually truly, truly uh, usable and where customers don't even have to think, oh, is this Web3? What does Web3 mean, right? So Very cool. Um, and just, just quickly, do you still code? Oh, no. I actually, full disclosure, I, I did a bunch of websites and stuff, but I would say I'm not sure I'm a really good coder. So I ended up in code. That's an interesting thing, actually. It's the French education system. I ended up in a coding uh, school because it was the best school I could get thanks to the ranking I had, but not, not actually by passion. And, uh, you know, that's been a very big learning for me. So good news is that's where I met my husband. So <laughs> that's great. But, but I guess the, the realization was because I was not... I didn't fit. I didn't feel I was like, you know, the genius coder, like the folks I had around me. And so that's when I decided to actually try to do something else and go to China. So I, I'm very, you know, optimistic person. I always believe there is, you know, you can always find your own path and stuff. But um, to your question around coding, I don't, I wouldn't say I've ever been really good at it. But what I'm good at is understanding technology quite deeply and deeply enough to then be able to actually match it with, with what is business. Yeah. And um, look, I mean, I know Circle are really, uh, sorry, I know Near are starting to really attract some, some brilliant people. You know, one of the partners at Outlier Ventures, Chris Donovan, who's general counsel here, uh, has joined you guys as well, stays partner at Outlier Ventures, but a, a great hire there. So I can see um, a really, really strong teams assembling. And as I understand your, your kind of profile and background, I can see how applicable that is, of course, to um too near and i know that you're very passionate about um inclusion and making sure that web3 um, attracts a range of diversity um and again i think that's down to both the product but also perhaps the mission so let's just go into a little bit more about why firstly why why circle and then why near and by the way it's it's uh uh, you know, headhunters are generally derided by society. So it's good to, good to know that they're actually helping bring uh, Web3 people into the space as well. Yeah, why circle first? So I, so here's the interesting thing in, in retrospect. So being a technologist 
at heart because when I was working at Expedia, it was also everything based on technology. Somewhere, somehow, I had completely missed Bitcoin. Like I, I didn't, you know, I hadn't read about it. I was not really understanding what was going on. And I think it's sometimes what big corporate can do to you, right? Because you're such in a, in a way, you're in a bubble of the corporate. And that's, that's at least how I felt. Um, and so when I started reading about actually crypto, and at the time it was not even called crypto. At the time it was Bitcoin, and then it was rebranded to actually blockchain. <laughs> you know, I think the, the, com- the naming convention of what we can do, and today it's like we talk about the Web3, right? But the naming convention ultimately is still, it's an evolution of, of continuously talking about the same thing. Um, but I remember, so first the technology and understanding the potential of that, I was amazed. And then the second part, obviously having the, you know, the privilege to work for someone like Jeremy Allaire, um, who is very accomplished, uh, entrepreneur who has actually, uh, you know, had, had raised, uh, several tens of millions of funds, but also had a vision and was, was passionate about seeing and connecting the dots of what could ultimately, uh, happen. I thought that was, that was a unique opportunity. I'll tell you, I was actually... I was a bit scared because, again, I was, you know, in a in a very successful large corporate. Uh, I just had been promoted, and so I felt like, you know, I, I was like, this is good, right? Where I am is really good. Why would I unstick myself and do something that actually felt really risky that nobody understood? People thought I was full blown crazy. <laughs> I think some will say they still think I am, but um, but, but you know, it was. It felt like a big risk. Um, the the chance I had, I think, is also... So my husband is also an entrepreneur, but more from like he's the zero to building up from scratch. And I had around me someone who was saying, this is not as risky as you think it is. Because sometimes when you're in large corporate, it feels risky to go on the startup side, right? Um, so anyway, so it was a bunch of, of reasons um, that then ultimately made me feel like this is a unique opportunity and I can really try and, and you know, and do something. Uh, and and help change this vision that money could really work like an SMS, and that work money could be uh, so much so much simpler. And that's really the thing that also attracts me. It's the same thread for me uh, that I had at Circle that I have at Near. Is ultimately a belief that technology can change the way uh, people uh, do things for a simpler, uh, better outcome. And when I saw, you know, at Circle at the time, it was also the time around which you had the birth of Ethereum. And we were talking about tokenization of everything. But technically, let's let's be honest, it was not possible. Right? It was super complex and you had to have like all those hoops and hops to try to understand what as a user you were doing. Um, and when I look now at, you know, near and how you can interact, not only just with a near wallet, but also like with any uh, application when, for example, we've done a partnership with um, with Sweat, uh, and so you walk, you get Sweat tokens, and those are on chain, and now you can start participating into a crypto world. Like stuff like that is seamless, right? And and it's fair to say that you know three years ago, none of that actually existed or, or was or was possible. So the thread that you know uh, attracts me in both is this idea that technology can change ultimately what it does for. Uh, for consumers uh, and enable more applications in a in a more seamless way. So now you're a CEO of the Near Foundation, and it's interesting to understand. Well, there's two aspects to that. So the first one is, you know, you're you're not a founder. A lot of organisations have been to date kind of like founder CEO type organisations. Um, actually, interestingly, there's a, a wave of those kind of founder CEO, founder leaders stepping back from operations now after 
several cycles. There seems to be a bit of a, a, a reset happening in the industry. Um, so how is it, firstly, kind of joining an organization as a CEO uh, alongside founders? Um, and then secondly, what's different to being a CEO of a foundation and a decentralized protocol and stack versus a centralized organization? Yeah, phenomenal question. So joining, you know, as a CEO um, alongside a co-founder, the, the fundamental thing here is ultimately it's all about human, uh, it's, it's all about like getting along, like it's, it's also fit, right? Um, Ilya and I spent like a ton of time uh, together before actually, you know, deciding whether I was whether I was the right fit, right, for that. Because ultimately, uh, my deepest belief is also, for example, as a CEO, I can be a, a good operator. I can operate. I've seen how to scale and grow, and I've seen how to organize teams. But having the vision is to something totally different. Seeing the opportunities, connecting the dots, and seeing like the future. And one thing that actually I, I find with um, with phenomenal founders is, you know, when as an operator, you think, okay, fine, now I, I'm, I'm catching up with them and I, I can operate the last call we had and I've made progress on getting it operationalized. And before you know it, the guy is like 10 steps ahead again. <laughs> and so I think that's the, that's the, if you find that, that very good dynamic of someone who has, a, you know, a vision and, and for a project and, and can see where the future might lie, and then you match that with an operator, um, I think that's actually a great a great combo. Now, obviously, all of that is really on like you know uh, a fit and how you actually work together and how you learn to do that and how you actually complement uh, complement each other. So I think that's that's ultimately what it is about. Um, and I think I'm you know I'm extremely grateful to be uh, to one have been uh, you know asked to join uh, to lead the Near Foundation, uh, but two also to be working with with you know someone like uh, like Ilya and and the rest of the team honestly who. But Ilya has like always a vision, like which is like 10, 20 steps ahead of, uh, of everything we do. Um, and I think, you know, the, the other part of your question, which is like, what is it like to be CEO of a foundation, in particular in the decentralized way versus uh, CEO of, a, of an organization? That's something. That, so it's, it's fundamentally different on several layers. So one, actually, um, as a Swiss foundation, we are not for profit. And you mentioned that in the intro, but our role and why we exist is threefold. One is because we're here because we are here to raise awareness of, of NIR, the protocol, the technology, what is Web3. We're here because we support entrepreneurs. And so that's very often in the um, giving of grants or actually routing people to where they can find the funding that they need for their project. And the third part is ensuring uh, decentralization governance, but also working through a regulatory landscape that continuously changes. So the mandate of that, if you look at it, doesn't have like, you know, uh, the, the role is to grow and to have that many, you know, millions of uh, fund uh, of, uh, of revenue and so on and so forth. So that's already running a not-for-profit uh, is quite different from actually running a business. And then, you know, being part of a decentralized ecosystem is also something that is, um, it's a continuously evolving uh, mechanism, right? Because what we what what I control and look after is the foundation, but by no way there is actually the rest of the ecosystem it's it's its own living organism. And so near protocol is open source and therefore anyone anywhere in the world can decide that they want to build something on near protocol. Uh, they can reach out to the foundation if they want some sort of support, but they could also decide that they don't need any of that and, and they do that 
anyway. And they are part of the near ecosystem. And it's part of this whole decentralized mechanism and organism that basically every day evolves, right? So a year ago, we had less than 100 projects. Today, there's over 800 projects. Um, we now have close to 2,000 active developers um, and we have, you know, millions of transactions. So all that is continuously evolving and wrestling with what it is um, is a continuous exercise. And also, like, what's the role within that of just one of the participants of the ecosystem, which is which is the Near Foundation. So it requires, you know, uh, thinking through leadership differently, uh, thinking through how an ecosystem actually grows, what is the what are the links between ecosystem participants, and and ultimately our role is also to think through what is the ecosystem missing, right? Where where is it that we should bring support by building the roads and the bridges of what's uh, what's needed for the ecosystem to thrive? Yeah, and so how do you how does ecosystem drive product roadmap and vice versa? How do you create that feedback loop? So um, I imagine that. You know, Ilya and and I think it's a co-founder, right? You know, they're they're kind of focused on the, this product. Um, you then have an ecosystem of stakeholders. Um, I guess that's comprised of a long tail of developer, like independent developer, and then presumably some like large organizations that are active in the space. How do you firstly manage that ecosystem of stakeholders? Manage any tensions, and then. Um, how do you feed those kind of requirements into into the product roadmap? Yeah, again, like super, super good question. So a couple of things of the way we try to, to tackle and think things through. So one component of, you know, the feedback loop you described or even like having a roadmap and, and prioritizing one first component of that is actually uh, the must-have, the roads. And so, for example, every uh, every Web3 crypto ecosystem is in its own an isolation, right? And if you want to be a crypto ecosystem that actually is linked to other crypto ecosystems, you need to have actually, you know, the uh, exchanges, you need to be able to actually uh, have stable coins, you need to be able to have custodians, you need to be able to have... Uh, data and so on and so forth. So there is a first pillar of like the must have to even be remotely on the map and be connected and enable people to be able to to build stuff, right? And then the second pillar of how we think about a product roadmap is also what are the verticals, right? What are the things that we believe are actually the verticals in which we should invest and 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 build on? So for example, uh, verticals such as NFT, verticals such as DAO, verticals such as gaming entertainment. Uh, verticals such as DeFi, like those are just like the themes of what we think is actually, you know, broadly speaking, needed and 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 what makes sense. And the third part is there is also a thing that you need to shoot for in the future, right? So, for example, AI, zk knowledge are things that are maybe undefined, but actually things to bet on for the future and and to think through for what should be on the roadmap in the future. And here's the beauty of decentralization: is actually it's not about one entity doing everything. It's more about, okay, where are the teams that actually fit that and what is it that they need to actually be uh, either starting something or even more successful on what they do. And so if you can ident- identify that industry industry pillars, then you can start having a, a roadmap. Now, you know, then it ultimately also comes back to, okay, but how do you, how do you focus and, and where do you actually bring, you know, 
the ultimate thing that you that you want to do. And when we look at that, the thing we always revert back on is users, right? So what do we need to make sure that people can create without limits so that ultimately within five years, we can have billion of users on near protocol, whether they know it or not, maybe they don't need to know that. Um, but yeah, it's a great question because then it's like, you know, it's this mix of everything. When you're in a multi-sided uh, ecosystem as we are in, uh, it's also if you just narrow it almost too much to say, well, we'll only do, let's say, we'll only do NFT, then actually you miss the it, an NFT can't work if there is no DeFi, can't work if there is no infrastructure. So you go back into actually the same pillars of what's needed um, everywhere. Yeah, it's fascinating to hear how you navigate that. Um, and so th there's you mentioned investing. Um, do you mean grants or do you mean investing out of a, a kind of a GPLP-like structure? I know you have near F. Um, how, how does investing look like for you guys? Yeah, so two, um, broadly speaking, two parts for that. One, uh, and, and so this is something actually that has changed and, and evolved, right? Because uh, there is almost pre-bear market and there is like now where, where we're at. Um, a year ago at the last NearCon, so not the one that we just had, but the, the previous one, uh, the Near Foundation made an announcement of roughly $800 million that we're going to be spent in the ecosystem to grow the ecosystem. And so that amount was to be spent on infrastructure, again, like building, you know, the roads and, and the building blocks that are needed uh, and was going to be spent also on like creating uh, regional hubs uh, and also creating like, you know, uh, basically investing into projects and, and giving grants to people who want to build in, uh, in the ecosystem. So our first phase of actually uh, investment has been very much in the form of grants and seeding where growth can happen. Uh, one key pillar of that has been actually um, regional ecosystem funds. Um, and, and that is actually, you know, it's again a lot of Ilya's vision in that and probably for, for having been in, in China and seeing also the power of local languages, nothing replaces having a local community that speaks a local language that can help each other and that can tackle problems that are very local, even though today, you know, we, we, we're still in a globalized world, but nothing replaces that. And so on that front, you know, we've been very strategic about where do we invest, um, where do we invest locally and what are actually the local communities that we can empower so that we have nodes that are in, in different places. I would say recently uh, and more since the bear market has happened, we're also looking at, okay, well, what are maybe some of the strategic investments that could be done not necessarily by NEAR Foundation, but maybe also by some of our uh, eco-funds, right? So within the NEAR ecosystem, not only do you have regional uh, regional hubs, but we also have eco-funds um, that are basically themselves investing. Uh, some of them are, are NEAR native only. Some of them are actually not just for NEAR, but you have to be also on NEAR. Um, and so, you know, finding that to also say, well, where is the next stage of growth? Where is actually the equity that if you look at the portfolio, then you can ultimately uh, grow that. And, you know, and I would expect that as things continue, um, maybe we'll get into, you know, a third wave of uh, what does investing from a near foundation means and, and does it look more like a fund of fund structure uh, and, and how do we actually apply that? But again, all of that in the background of decentralized, right? So our goal is more where can we have funds uh, that are that is actually distributed and in the hands of others, so that it can help grow the ecosystem with a very specific like vertical or, or focus. 
Yeah. And now um, you're kind of coming back to ecosystem. Uh, Near call 2022, I heard it was a great success. You know, well, a, a month ago, I don't know if you've kind of come down from the high of that. <laughs> um, tell us about some of the highlights. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was an amazing, it was really amazing. So I, I definitely, uh, I definitely, it feels like it was longer than a month ago. That's how, that's how fast things happen in, in crypto. A um, couple of highlights. So number one, just the highlight of the sheer size of it, right? Um, a year ago, I think Nearcon had something like uh, 600 participants. This time was close to 3000 participants. Uh, our hackathon alone had like uh, close to 700 hackers that joined to uh, to develop and participate. The thing for me that will stick, I honestly think for life, is the the buzz of the place. Like you could really see this this is a, a builder's ecosystem. Uh, it is also an incredibly diverse and inclusive ecosystem. We had 176 nations represented, 38% of women. It just felt so welcoming and buzzing uh, that that was absolutely, absolutely incredible and honestly magic. We had a, a ton of like very key announcements that went live from you know our sharding next phase that was allowed that was announced. Uh, we also announced that we were participating uh, in an entertainment fund uh, that is focused basically on the next wave on entertainment on Web three. Uh, we released our first Women in Web three uh, innovation list again to this credit of uh, you know diversity and inclusion and how it matters because ultimately. You know, the technology we build will will have all our human biases built in it. And so from the start, if we're able to actually uh, call this out and, and make sure that we are as inclusive as possible, uh, then we have great chances of, of sticking with that uh, along the way. But there were like basically a ton of different announcements. We also announced that we were launching an India hub, um, that we had our the more growth into our Balkans hub and so on and so forth. Um, so, yeah, it was uh, it was it was great. <laughs> Yeah, and it's interesting to hear um, consistently here actually uh, when I when I do these, but in also wider conversations, a bigger focus on regions like India um, as where the kind of next wave of adoptions coming through. Um, well, look, Marika, it's been fascinating speaking to you. Um, I think really unique insights um, coming from being uh, a CEO of a decentralized um, uh, protocol and foundation. Um, really excited to watch the continued traction of, of NIA. Um, really great to hear that you've got that level of momentum happening at NIACOM. Um, and you know, thanks for everything you're doing in the space to make it more inclusive and onboard uh, as many new people as possible. Well, thank you so much for, for having me. It was a great pleasure to have this conversation. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please make sure you subscribe, rate, and share your feedback to help us reach as many people as possible with the important mission of Web3.